What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another brand new installment of Renegades Reviews, exclusively here as always on the Casa D18 Studios channel. I, of course, am your host, the Renegade JJ Williams, and today's broadcast will also be rebroadcast one hour later on the Jeff Meacham Network. Thank you very much, Mr. Meacham, for allowing us to bring our show to your viewers upon your network. And today we're going to be discussing the sequel to the 1989 Batman film, 1992's Batman Returns, starring Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken, Michael Goh, Pat Hingle, Andrew Bryanarski, Paul Rubens, Diane Salinger, and Doug Jones. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining me once again for another brand new installment of Renegades Reviews. And like I said during the introduction, today we're going to stick around in Gotham City. We're going to stick around the Burton side of the Burton Schumacher verse, and we're going to discuss Batman Returns. Our movie opens on Christmas Day as Gotham City socialites Tucker and Esther Cobblepot become the parents of a deformed baby boy that they name Oswald. They are so disgusted by his appearance and his demeanor that the Cobblepots confine the baby to a cage and throw him into a sewer where he is eventually discovered by a family of penguins underneath the abandoned Gotham City Zoo. We then jump forward 33 years as millionaire and philanthropist Max Schreck proposes to build a power plant in order to supply Gotham City with energy. But Schreck is being opposed by Gotham's mayor. During Schreck's speech, Gotham City comes under attack by a disgraced circus troupe known as the Red Triangle Gang. And despite the fact that Batman gets involved and manages to fight the criminals off, Shrek is abducted and taken to the sewer, where Shrek is introduced to the leader of the Red Triangle Gang, Oswald Cobblepot himself, who is now going by the name Penguin. Oswald blackmails Shrek with evidence of his corporate crimes, forcing Shrek into helping Oswald to return to the surface. Meanwhile, Shrek's secretary, Selina Kyle, discovers that the power plant is actually meant to drain Gotham of its energy, which will bring the entire city under Shrek's control after which Shrek will essentially be untouchable by the authorities. Shrek pushes Selina out of the window in order to silence her, but she survives the fall and vows revenge, taking up the mantle of the Catwoman. Oswald makes his presence known by rescuing the mayor's baby from a staged kidnapping attempt and requests to be allowed into the Gotham City 
Hall of Records in order to discover who his birth parents were. Batman's alter ego, Bruce Wayne, voices his suspicions about Oswald's true motives and investigates his background and his connection to the Red Triangle Gang. Bruce discovers that the troop had been shut down years prior due to children going missing during their performances, as well as the disappearance of one specific member before interrogation, whom Bruce suspects is Oswald. During a meeting with Shrek, in order to voice his own opposition to the power plant, Bruce Wayne meets Selina Kyle, and the two form a bit of an attraction to one another. In order to remove his enemies, Shrek pushes for Oswald to run for mayor in order to discredit the current Gotham City mayor by having the Red Triangle Gang wreak havoc on the city. Batman intervenes and encounters Catwoman for the very first time as she attempts to sabotage one of Shrek's businesses. The two fight and injure each other before Catwoman can escape. She then swears revenge on Batman by aligning with Oswald, who is also planning to kill Batman as part of his own schemes. As Bruce and Selina begin a romantic relationship, Oswald abducts Gotham City's Ice Princess and kills her, framing Batman for the act, as well as causing the Batmobile to rampage throughout Gotham City before Batman narrowly manages to regain control and escape the authorities. When Catwoman rejects his advances, Oswald breaks off their partnership and attempts to kill her, but she survives after falling into a greenhouse. During the chase, Batman records Oswald's disparaging remarks about the people of Gotham City and later plays them during Cobblepot's next speech, thereby destroying his public image and forcing him to return to the sewers, where he renounces his humanity and reveals his master plan to abduct and kill all of Gotham City's firstborn sons as revenge for what his parents did to him. At a charity ball hosted by Shrek, Bruce and Selina meet up and discover each other's secret identities. The Penguin appears and reveals his plan by intending to take Shrek's son, Chip, with him. But Shrek gives himself up in the place of his son. Batman foils the kidnappings and heads for the Penguin's lair. And the Penguin attempts to have his army of penguins bomb the city and kill everyone in Gotham. But Batman and Alfred jam the signal and order the penguins to return to the sewer. Batman arrives and confronts the penguin, and in the ensuing fight, the penguin falls through a window into the sewer's toxic water after accidentally 
launching the bombs on the zoo. Shrek escapes, but is confronted by Catwoman, who intends to kill him. Batman pleads for Selina to stop, unmasking himself in the process. Shrek draws a gun and shoots them both, but Selina survives and electrocutes herself and Shrek with a stun gun, which causes a massive explosion. Bruce, who is wearing body armor, finds Shrek's remains, but Selina is nowhere to be found. The penguin emerges from the water and tries to shoot Bruce from behind, but dies from his injuries and the toxic sewage before his penguin family emerges and lays his body to rest. In the aftermath, as Alfred drives him home, Bruce sees Selina's silhouette in an alley, but only finds her cat as a farewell gift, and Bruce decides to take the cat home with him as a result. Our film comes to its end as the bat signal appears in the sky as Catwoman, who has survived the entire ordeal, watches on. I'm not going to waste any time chit-chatting. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to welcome and bring in my special guest for this episode, the man, the myth, the legend, the West Coast professor himself, Jeff Meacham. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. As always, you know, it seems like you're here at least a couple times a month on my end. Yes. I'm on your end a couple times a month. So it all fair talent exchange, I'd call it. I would I would say so, and I, I love that we actually were able to set up that I'm on the replay shows going on up on my network. That way they get you know, as if they couldn't get enough of me during the first four days of the week. Now you get me on Fridays this month. Yeah, <laughs> every Friday, every Friday, every Friday this month because we got dads and then we got the replays. That's it. You'll never I get mean, rid of me, the, people. The the way everything fell, I think it just fell perfectly as far as movies within the DC canon yes. that you enjoy and would really want to talk about. I mean. The only one that didn't fall during a Friday is The Dark Knight, which you're going to be on as well. Right. Because, I mean, I think everybody and their mother wants to talk about Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, no I mean, you know, I, I've got – it's funny. You, you you put me in this in this outfit on the graphic you set up. I figured, eh, I'll just go ahead, and whip, go ahead and throw the outfit on. What the hell? But, yeah, it's the, – the, the DC guys, I mean, you know, I've made no secret about it. During your MCU month, I was like, eh. But, you know, I know these guys. I, I've grown up with these guys, mm -hmm. you know, Batman, Superman, and, you know, even, even you know, the the ones that are coming later, you know, uh, Steel and uh, and Catwoman with Halle Berry and all those. So I'm more familiar with these by and large than I am with the Marvel guys. So this is this month for, for your channel is my wheelhouse. No question about it, at least so far this year, as far as outside of the usual Disney and wrestler movies fair that I just go bonkers on anyway. Right, so, right. So what was it about Batman Returns that appealed to you so much that you were like, okay, that one I have to be on? I've, I've always loved this entry in the saga. I mean, first of all, it's a Christmas movie. You can't go wrong with that with me as far as, you know, movies go. Christmas movies plus Jeff Meacham equals I'm there. You know, I mean, Same I do. Me, usually, I mean, we've got the Gotham City Christmas tree here. I love in the it. backdrop. Yeah, and I and it's funny you have this. I, I keep forgetting we have this backdrop for Batman Returns because this it's it's our it's our favorite of the Burton movies, um, as far as Batman goes. Um, the artistic 
stylizing that Burton did between one and two. One is very gritty. It's very, you can tell it's much more a Warner Brothers thing that Burton happened to direct, right? This one, they're like, dude, we want you to come back. And they basically threw threw the wallet at Tim, like, here, do what you want to do. He, okay. <laughs> I mean, this is very much Edward Scissorhands, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like, everything that Burton did that was essentially Tim Burton is very much reflected in Batman Returns. I mean, you go back even to Beetlejuice. Hell, even to Pee-wee. You know, Pee-wee was, I mean, God, it's an explosion of colors and chaos in, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So, everything that Tim did that he was the he was the lead guy. He was the director. He was the one that set the tone. You can see the differences between stuff he directed and what had direct hands on than he produced or presented or whatever the case may be. And this movie, I love it. I like the Christmas. It's Burton. And the villains, as the dog will clearly back me up on, um, you know, is very much we got a great joker with jack nicholson there's no denying that if you watch yesterday and you watch his review you know you know that but these these two and i dare say three villains you've got oswald who you know is and, and, and honestly everybody in this movie has a problem with duality and we talked about that i, I don't know if you talked about it yesterday i had a chance to watch this and i apologize i'm behind on stuff um duality was a key theme through both of Tim Burton's and Michael Keaton's Batman movies. You know, you know, the, the, uh, the infamous duel of the freaks from the first one. I mean, that's, that's a whole big thing that evolved into, you know, people calling you all the duel of the fates from star Wars. Yeah. But we had duel of the freaks, you know, 10 years ago. Um, this one is all about duality. You have Bruce's internal battle with Batman, Oswald's internal battle with his humanity, um, re uh, you know, uh, reasserting itself. And then he, forcibly repressing it at the end, renouncing it, going, I am not a human being. I am an animal. You know, you've got Selena, who's this little bitty little meek thing as we start this movie. And by the end of it, she is a powerful force, but she's still very much battling between Selena and Catwoman. And then you've got Max Shrek, who by and large is just an evil son of a bitch. I mean, let's just not kid ourselves. But even still, he's, he's dealing with the duality of his public persona versus his true nature. And that, I love that about this movie. Um, the fact that every single major character has that, that that battle within themselves and against each other in the process. Great stuff. Yeah, I never really had thought about it in that way, but you're totally spot on there. I mean, you, you always look at the, the duality between Bruce and Batman. Like, that's always central in the forefront. Yep. But you don't you don't really think about the Oswald Penguin and the the Selena Catwoman duality. Yeah, and very few people give Max you know the 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 out of having that duality battle. He really does because he, yeah, he presents that public persona to get ahead. Yes, but. You know, he's also trying to hang on to whatever he can about his own empire. And he still does very much love his son and want his son to be that next, you know, the, the heir apparent to the empire. Um, you know, it's very much implied that he took out his wife, you know, talking when, when he took out Selena and Selena came back into the office there in the middle of the movie. And it's very much implied that Max even had a hand in her disappearance wink wink um you know and you know oswald penguin you know reveals that he had his partner taken out so max is very much a selfish 
despicable person, um, barely a person from my perspective. But um, at the same time, you know, he, he does have that little glimmer of, well, I want my boy to be the guy, I want my boy to be, you know, okay. Um, I mean, he does funny. refer to the power plant as Chip's legacy. Exactly. And, you know, and then just, when Penguin shows up to kidnap, he sacrifices himself to save right. Chip. Right. It's 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 very much that rare moment of going outside of himself and his own selfish bullshit to protect protect the offspring. It's funny you mentioned that you didn't think of the duality. Selena and Bruce even talk about it in their conversation on the couch at Wayne Manor when when Selena's talking to him about you know Vicky and you know and uh, he asked you know did she have a problem with your duality with the with your with your thing with duality and Bruce really doesn't know what to say because. He's, I thought about it like that. Even Bruce is taken aback by that. So none of them really realize how up in the head they all are. But they are. They're nuts. The whole lot of them. They're crazy. You know, and God, and God poor Michael Goss, like, oh God, these idiot people you deal with four movies and, and Pat Ingle too. The two of them are just like Gotham people are nuts. <laughs> God bless those two for being uh, the anchors through the entire saga. Seriously, and dealing with the drama within the studio versus the filmmakers. Like, oh my God, I can't imagine. And those two guys are such legends. They're just, they're, they're probably much like Kevin Ash. <sighs> Whatever. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I, I love how. Like we see immediately how far Pat Hingle's Commissioner Gordon has come with accepting Batman. He takes the entire movie to reconcile how important Batman is in the first one. Second one, man, shoot, the circus attacks. What are you waiting for? The single single. It's like, dude, at least relax, Jim. You're five minutes in, dude, breathe. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's like immediately, and I loved again, style stylizing, you know, uh layout of film. The way they signal Bruce in the second one is so cool. It's a simple little night light in the first one, man. He's got a when he stands up, he's all oh, with the majestic thing with the suit. It's it's so good. Like everything is laid out so great. And that shot of him with the bat symbol behind him has become an iconic thing over oh, yeah. the years as far as Batman movies and Batman in media period. You know that 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 moment with Michael Keaton with the big giant bat behind him is like that's that's our Batman. That's our generation's Batman movie. Definitely, definitely. You know, not to take anything from Adam West and our parents' generation or even Christian Bale or Ben Affleck, the newer generations, but right, right. Keaton and then subsequently Kilmer and even Clooney, even Clooney yeah. are the ones we grew up with. Mm-hmm. You know, that was our generation of Batman for better and for worse. Yeah. And it's in funny. the next couple of days, we'll get into... The The pros and cons of Forever and Batman and Robin, but, you know. Right, but that's, that's, it's funny. You mentioned that we grew up with, it's, I was, so younger than you, we were still both, you know, adolescents when 89 came out. Um, I grew up on the 60s show in reruns, man. I watched it, I'm pretty sure it was on KTTV, Channel 11. I'm almost positive it was on Channel 11 during the week, every day. Like, it was on Mm -hmm. all week. So I loved the, 80, the, the the 60s series. So as a kid, when the first one came out, you go, it's a little scary, a little dark, but I loved it, man. And this one, I loved even more, like I said. so. Yeah, I mentioned yesterday that the success of the 89 Batman resurrected the 60s TV show into reruns. Yes. So that our generation that was growing up with Keaton and Nicholson and Pfeiffer and DeVito could get a look at. West, Ward, 
Romero, Gorshin, you know, yep. Newmar. Yes. Meredith. Yeah, I, yeah, I, to this day, I, like, have, I had the hugest crush on Julie Newmar's Catwoman. Even when this movie came out and Michelle Pfeiffer was looking just, god damn, um, you know, Julie Newmar was still my Catwoman. I loved her to pieces. So uh, it was it was very odd when that Batmania home video came out and the cast reunited there toward the end of the 80s. And like you see how much they've aged. It's funny, like Adam looks pretty Adam looked pretty good pretty much till the end. Um Bert, you know, kind of filled out a little bit. Yvonne Craig was a doll until she passed away. God bless her. Julie, even though she had definitely aged in the 20 years. She, she was still that sex kid, and I'm, I, I, I was all right with it. Um, yeah. But this movie, you know, I mean, you've got, like I said, Selena's this little demure little thing, and and Penguin's not of this, you know, of this world. He was born into this world, thanks to Paul Rubens and Diane Salinger, as we saw in the prologue. And I love that they brought those two back together, by the way. I thought that was a great touch by Tim to recognize they who had got him where he was. I mean, you know, Pee-wee's Big Adventure was Tim's jump-off point, and he brought, you know, Pee-wee and Simone back together. I thought that was so great, and such completely different characters. And it was Paul's first big role. Yeah. Granted, it was a cameo, but right. still, it was his first big feature after his whole scandal went down. Yeah. And so and the fact that, you know, Tim took a chance, mm -hmm. throwing him in there, Letting him relaunch his career under his own name. Yep. Until he felt like it was okay to resurrect the Pee Wee character, which he's done here in the past five or so years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, remember, he he went out there on the MTV Awards a year before that. And, you know, Heritage and Cokes lately. <laughs> and, and that was it. He retired Pee Wee after that. He was done. And, like you said, Tim took a chance because I, I, I think Tim really used that MTV audience to gauge. Like, okay, like yeah, the the law and the the the, the uptight folks are still mad at Pee Wee and Paul, but the audience is okay. Like they they still love Paul. Yeah, he did what he did, but it'll be all right. And I th I think Tim Tim has always been. It's funny. Like Tim is so French. He's so on the outwards of everything in society, but he has such a good read on everything and everybody. He saw that reaction. Went, okay. We'll, we'll give it a shot. And you know, not only and did for, Paul do for our younger audience who don't know what we're talking about, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman basically got busted for indecent exposure inside of an adult movie theater. Yeah. Come on. I mean, seriously, if you're going to go to an adult movie theater, chances are you're going to be doing some naughty things within there. Yeah. And he got busted because he was Pee Wee Herman. And, and the thing is, it was such a complete contrast. It wasn't Pee Wee Herman in the bow tie and the gray suit. Right. It was this long-haired, disheveled, Beelzebub goatee-wearing Paul Rubens. But, you know, Pee Wee busted, Pee Wee this all over the, the media. It completely buried the character. And by proxy, Paul himself. You know, but to his credit, man, Paul shaved up, you know, got the Pee Wee persona on, went out there and did that awards cameo, and... You know, he himself gave the audience. 
he knew. Like he, he knew he'd messed up. You know, again, you know, if you're going into an adult theater and you know the outskirts of some podunk town in Florida, you're not thinking you're gonna get you know that kind of exposure. Wink, wink. Um, but it just kind of happened that way for him. But yeah, I I love the fact that not only did he make the cameo in this movie and slowly start. Build, I mean, you figure he did this and Buffy in the same year. Mm-hmm. So he had two two directors that took a chance on a guy that was and what's funny is his character in Buffy looks very much like the mugshot if you really look at it it's yeah it's a little creepy I'm not gonna lie so uh, I but, think that he got Buffy because of Batman I, I was gonna say that, know, Burton well, put it, him into Batman right. and it was such this huge blockbuster mm-hmm. that they decided to take a chance on him with Buffy. Well, if I remember right, they came out within a few weeks of each other, but I, 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 I think you are correct in that the studio behind Buffy went, you know, they're giving him a chance. Let's see if we can, you know, get, get a little bit of that Paul Rubens rub. No pun intended. Sorry there, Paul. Um, but <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows, I think. Um, anyway, but I love that he made the cameo in this and the people at Warner Brothers and Fox loved it so much that they wrote him in as Oswald's uh, father in Gotham. Different yeah. different character name, yes, but it was still the Penguin's father. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that little, like, if you weren't a fan of both, you wouldn't understand that. So if you're a Gotham fan, like I'm supposed to be at this point, uh, but yeah. not a Batman Returns fan like I was, um, you wouldn't understand that. But, like, for a fan of both, it's like... It, it was a kind of neat touch. It was cool. Yeah, when, when I saw the trailers that he was coming back as Penguin's father, I legit marked out. Hell yeah! Almost, and, almost as hard as I marked out when Punk came back on the EW. Like which, that is how ecstatic I was, dude. It's been quite the couple weeks here for us wrestling fans slash uh, slash uh, movie fans. But you know, not only and what's great is they they completely did something different on Gotham because they didn't go okay. Well, he's Cobblepot. His mother's name was the, the not actually Cobblepot. They 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 uh, they Americanized it in Gotham, but he was a completely different persona, different familial timeline. He was just kind of like the 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 um the birth father and you know just kind of happened into being involved with Oswald which yeah. ultimately helped Oswald out because everybody else died Oswald got the money so you know spoiler alert um but uh getting back to this um just I I can't stress enough how important it was that they capitalized on 89 because in and of itself 89 is a blockbuster it's literally mm-hmm. one of the first one of the uh, the major summer blockbusters that made that phrase a thing. You know, you yeah. had Star Wars in the 70s and early 80s, but Batman in 89 in June, like, that was a summer, like, everybody saw that damn movie. I can't think of one person that was of age that could go see it that didn't. Yeah, I remember me and my dad going to the Lakewood Center theaters. Nice. And they had the Batmobile out there for both the original and returns. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I don't remember if it was free for a picture or if you had to pay an extra fee, but both times me and my dad got our pictures with the movie Batmobile. I love it. I have a story about the Batmobile. We'll get there later. Um, Cause I, I, I want to finish the movie, but um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I went and saw it. Here's here's how far back our, our little town here in Santa Clarita goes before, you know, the, you know, the advent of uh, Regal and everything else that came out. We had our own little man theater that 
that was the same company as what used to be the Man Chinese Theater. Now, of course, it's you know Grohman's or whatever the hell you want to call it, but or TCL, excuse me, it's a freaking corporate thing now too yeah. down there. But we had our own little Man Theater. It was like um, about halfway across town from here, like kind of kind of like between Valencia and Newhall. Man, you could not get on the street. The theater was on, let alone the theater itself. When Batman and Batman Returns came out, man, every like I said. You know, everybody went and saw this. It, Batman became a phenomenon more so than it had been in the 60s. It was just, I mean, you, you talk about Beatlemania and Batmania in the 60s. <laughs> Batmania was alive and well in the 80s and 90s, especially with these two, for the, these first two movies. Most definitely. Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money's made. I also love the little nod, and I don't know if it was Burton's idea or somebody else's, but the, the naming of the character Max Shrek. Yes. You know, yes. For, for those that don't know, Max Shrek is a German actor who's most famous for playing the role of Count Orlock in Nosferatu. Which we'll see next month, of course, here on the Renegades reviews. Yeah. So. But the other thing I found interesting about that doing my research is that Tim Burton was hesitant to cast Christopher Walken on yes. the basis that Christopher Walken scared him. I was going to say. Now, now, how creepy do you have to be if you're scaring Tim Burton? Yeah. I mean, this is the guy that conceptualized Beetlejuice. This is the guy that directed a very, very darker version of Batman that we'd seen in 40 years. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, if you watch with us, with JJ here on the, over here on the channel, you know, you watch the old, you know, uh, uh, silent films. Granted, they were funny and campy, but very dark, you know, very gritty, you know, Batman. That's how, what, that's how, that's what Tim was going for was dark and gritty. He was told to do that. Um, after the success of the Dark Knight Returns and the Killing Joke, of course, which both, but what Tim said, both those influenced him in his writing. Yeah, first very one. heavily, man. And so, I I like that he really and Penguin had never been really depicted that scary, that creepy, no. like in any form of media before. I mean, God, you, you no. think of Burgess Meredith as a penguin, and you think of the comic books. Penguin was not, by and large, an animalistic creature. He was just, he happened to have a, a penguin waddle, and he happened to have a, a long nose, and, you know, he wore the, you know, the tuxedo that looked like a penguin. But Tim really, and God bless Danny DeVito, man. I mean, you know, with the, between the height that Danny has always had the challenges with and just the makeup they did on him, you know, you, you talk about Tim being scared of Chris Walken. I don't remember anybody my age in 92 that wasn't scared of Danny DeVito at the end of that movie. It was, I mean, you know, I mean, this is the same guy you know, that we'd seen, you know, do different things. You know, he did Taxi. He did a few different roles over the years, but he wasn't really frightening. He was frightening in this, like downright yeah. scary. And yeah, Chris Walken, unless he's on Saturday Night Live, you know, demanding more cowbell, he's a frightening dude. And even then he's kind of frightening. You know? but, um, he's a scary dude. So... You but know, I mean, it, you know, like I said, though, how creepy do you have to be to scare Tim Burton? Exactly. Like Tim Burton's a creepy looking dude in of himself. Like, okay, my niece just adores Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. And she watched it one day. And I think she had 
caught it on like a VHS or something. And after the movie, you've got some of the interviews. Right. So she comes in and tells her mom, mommy, there's a scary man on TV. Oh, no. Mom comes into the TV and it's Tim Burton on the TV. <laughs> okay. But Tim Burton is scared of Christopher Walken. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if Tim Burton is scaring your modern six-year-old and he's scared of Chris Walken, yeah, that's, that, that's saying something. Yeah, but you, I, you go back to Danny DeVito, and that was another thing I wanted to touch on in my research, because I, I found a list of other people that were approached and considered for the Penguin. Right. Apparently, the original choice was Dustin Hoffman. Hmm. Interesting. But he declined. Right. And then... Listen to this laundry list of people that were considered oh, before Danny DeVito. Hey, that's that's interesting. You ready for this? Yes, sir. Always. Marlon Brando. John Candy. Bob Hoskins. Dean Martin. Dudley Moore. Alan Rickman. John Goodman. Phil Collins. Charles Grodin, Christopher Lee, Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta, Christopher Lloyd. Jesus Christ. All were considered before Danny DeVito. So, and we sit here and we talk yeah. about yeah. how amazing DeVito was in the role. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but if John Candy or Dudley Moore had gotten it, it would have been a little bit more towards the Burgess Meredith, I think. Yeah, and we nope, also... Okay. Yeah. You and, know, because, yeah. because aside from his roles as Harry in Home Alone, he's always been that pretty much mobster, badass I was gonna say type of character. I would buy him as the penguin because the penguin is very much a gangster, a mob leader. I would totally be okay with that. And that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt, ladies and gentlemen, that Joe Pesci and Dan DeVito are not the same person. Now, um, throwing it out there. Uh, if you didn't know, now you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm a terrible person. That's okay. Um, I, yeah, Joe Pesci, I would have bought of everybody else you said. I mean, yeah, Christopher Lee has always been a scary dude. He was, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, the Hammer, you know, versions of Dracula, as was Peter Cushing. So, you know, I, I would I would buy one of those two. But the thing is, though, you know, penguins always, you know, penguins are short in nature. That's just they're 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 small, flightless birds. So, and they're they're on the chubby side. So, I don't see how with 1992 technology that would have worked. No, you know, Burgess Meredith. Shorter than Adam West and Burt Ward, you know. So it just, it, it just, it's. And I, I, I'm not trying to, you know, pigeonhole Danny or Joe or anybody, but it's, it's just, you know, you need a shorter guy to pull that off. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, both those guys, with the makeup on or without, have that mobster, gangster, you know, almost stereotype. With both of them, have been in that, you know, bad guy role you know, gangster role or criminal, you know, uh, you know, lifelong criminal role. So it works for them. You know, it, 
great example with with Joe. You know, Joe Pesci being you know in a short role would be great. You know, Fred Gwynn from My Cousin Vinny, not so much. Big tall guy wouldn't work that way. So you, 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 in 1992, at least, you needed to cast not only with stylizing and layout in mind, you had to go with what you had technology wise. You're not going to make Danny DeVito, you know, a seven foot giant monster. He's going to be a short guy. You're not going to make Michelle Pfeiffer a, you know, a, uh, you know, Weight Watchers expert. You know, she was this little bitty thing. Put her in a skin tight vinyl suit. Catwoman. Boom. Done. Um, although they did cast Annette Benning, if I'm not mistaken, first. Right. And, and but she, then she and got that, pregnant. Say, well, you know, Warren Beatty is Warren Beatty thing. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> you know, Warren Beatty's that guy. Um, so it's okay. Um, he would have been a great Batman character, I think. Warren. Both of them would have, really. Um, but anyway. I'm going off into the into the into the, the one uh, that really shocked me. I think was Dean Martin. Yeah, I yeah because he one, was up there in age at that point. Like, I think about Frank Sinatra on the yeah. Grammys. You yeah. know that year that they cut him off, and he ended up passing shortly thereafter. Yeah, didn't Dean pass in like '95? That would have been an interesting filming schedule if he was three years away from kicking it. <laughs> Uh, and, and again, Dean, Dean was always, you know, had that larger than life, you know, he's a, t- he's a tall dude. Yeah. So again, it just, the, yeah, those, most of those options are very befuddling. Um, like I said, I know Annette Benning was cast as Catwoman originally. I know they uh, interviewed a few other people, like you said in your research. It's just looking back now, I remember Michelle Pfeiffer had that role. And she she had a pretty decent few roles, in, I mean, and then of course she did Dangerous Minds, which was just so against type, but worked, man. Oh, she was so good in that movie. Um, but this one's kind of was, I, I mean, you know, Michelle Fiverr's always had that femme fatale type uh, appeal to her, mm-hmm. and Catwoman was very much, especially in the sixties, you know, they called her the femme fatale during that run, so it just kind of made sense, but. Even when she was transforming before she put the suit on, you really didn't appreciate it. And when she comes out there in that alley and kicks that guy's ass and then tells the girl, yeah, I saved you, but you're pathetic too, and then backs off, it's like, man, she owned it. Mm-hmm. She was so great. Is it me or did Michael Keaton's suit appearance and his overall appearance, like, like he seemed like he was bigger in Returns? He you probably, that? yeah, he probably lifted a little bit to get into to more physical shape. Okay, yeah, you know, he he probably got into Batman, not realizing how physical it was going to be. Right. So when the sequel came around, he was like, "Okay, I need to get in a little bit better shape for this." Yeah. Well, well no, no. What I mean is, like, okay, in the first one, both Bruce and Batman seem not small, but like you know, athletically shaped i guess is what i'm trying to say batman returns when he in bat like in, in the bat suit he looks like he's chubbier in the face and when he peels off the thing at the end there where he's arguing with uh shrek and trying to talk selena and not going completely over the end um he looks like rounder in the face like he's got that like the uh like that like that boy wonder chub to him like i, I maybe it's just, maybe it's me but uh um, might just be you i didn't notice yeah. that i thought you meant like he had put on some muscle bigger no, no, I, I know that he said he had tried to do that. It's just for, like for me, like I'm just trying to think, like when they have the closest of him driving to that mobile or trying to drive it when Danny's, you know, when Penguin's driving it for him, he just he, his face looks rounder. I, I don't know. Fat guys notice stuff like that. I don't know. Anyway, um, so yes, carry on. Go ahead. 
I think we've I think we've waxed philosophical enough on this. It's it's time for that most important ah, yes. part of the show, the ratings. Yes, I love this part. You so, know how I do it: halves, no quarters or three quarters. Okay. Five is the best. Where um, do you put returns? I definitely give it five bad ranks out of five. No question about it, man. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 my favorite of the the Burton Schumacher saga by far. Um, it only takes a backseat to the Dark Knight in terms of my overall favorite Batman movies. Um, like I said, I I I can appreciate Batman and Robin. I don't like it. But I can appreciate it. Um, I do love all the other ones, without question. Um, like you said, like you said to me prior to watching them, and we've talked since then. The serials are tough; they're a tough go. Um, but that's 1943 and 49 fandom, where they're going back every week for 15 weeks. A little bit different presentation than we get, yeah, you know, exactly. In the 60s, and then of course the modern audiences now. But I, I find something good in all the Batman stuff, even Batman, Rob, I'm not going to come on a review with you or anything. I'm not going to sit there for an hour and talk about the damn thing. But, um, um, I, yeah, I, I, I can appreciate what they were trying to do. Batman Robin was released in a corporate. We need to appeal to the kids and sell toys and sell stuff world. Whereas these first two, the first one, especially was not Okay. We're not going to go to try to. We're just going to try to, you know, make a great movie and bring Batman back into the lexicon. This one here, while in that same vein, was very much okay. We've got something here, and it was the next one you're going to do tomorrow with another guest star that really sort of evolved into okay. Now it's a merch machine. Batman and Robin became the merch machine at the end at the end of the saga. So, yeah. I mean. Batman and Robin was very much okay. Arnold's our lead villain. We need to make as much Mister Free shit as possible. That's really what it came down to. Pretty much. But the next one you're going to do tomorrow, I, again, you know, people you're go getting, back and forth. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I was trying to give you a good segue, but fine, go ahead. I still have to give my rating. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm going to give this one four out of five. Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't hold it in quite the same esteem as you do. I feel as much as I enjoyed the character of Max Shrek, I feel like he's honestly the weak link in the film. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like some of the stuff that they tried to spend too much time on Shrek. And even though Christopher Walken is an amazing actor and the Shrek character does definitely have its moments I feel like they spend too much time with him when all he really needed to be was the catalyst to create Catwoman. Right, exactly. Once that happened, they could have really backed off on his character. Yeah. But they tried to give him almost as much film time as Selena and Oswald. Yeah. And he's, he's not that kind of villain. No, he's a means to an end villain, not a final boss. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, he needs to be resorted to almost like a sidekick. Yeah. As opposed to a villain. I liken him, honestly, and again, I'm not trying to compare the greatest of this one to the the fourth one. I liken him to John Glover's role. 
and Batman and Robin, where like he he basically created Ivy, and then once Ivy was created, she was like <laughs> wiped him out, done. I would have had Selena kick Shrek off the freaking roof of the building. I'm like, all right, you know, have Chip take over, not really knowing what the hell he's doing, which yeah. would have made a great like befuddled non-villain villain, like trying to keep up with the bad shit that's going on in Gotham City, but completely oblivious to what's going on around him. That's the kind of thing I would have seen better for Max and, and Chip if he'd survived, obviously. So, yeah, th- th- that would have been better for me. So that that's my reason for knocking it down to four stars. Yes. What do you guys think out there in the world? If you're watching the premiere, leave your thoughts and comments over there next to Jeff. If you're watching later in the day on demand, Leave your thoughts and comments down there underneath the people of Gotham. If you're watching the replay, we appreciate that, but make sure you watch it at six first. Like, come on, guys. Help a brother out, man. We we got we we got Greg on the money train. We got me in the money train. We gotta get this guy in the money train next year. So let's let, let, let's all make it happen, Captain. Try. I mean, yeah. I, I'm still like in the six hundreds. Yes. Seven hundreds. Yes. I haven't even cracked a thousand. I. I I'll tell you what, though. As much passion as you gave this one today and you gave the one yesterday, the fact that we're doing what you're doing tomorrow with, with your other special guest, this is the one you love the most. So yeah. this is going to be good stuff. I'm going to enjoy watching this myself tomorrow. So with that little tease, make sure you tune in tomorrow right back here on the Casa D18 Studios channel for another brand new installment of Renegades Reviews. When I discuss my favorite Batman film of all time, Batman Forever, with my very special guest, the stat boy himself, Mike Caldwell. It should be good times in Gotham. That stat boy twice in the same week. His own show's back, and now he got in with the Renegade on Saturday. Oh my, oh my God. Hey, you know, now, now that the, the sports bar had its grand reopening, Gotta gotta get him out there to expose. Let That's people it. know that that boy's back, back again. Yeah. Anyways, and, and I but before you sign off, I, I do want to say that this is the last time I'm going to be on camera until Monday. So let me say this to everybody: I know tomorrow's a tough day for a lot of people. It's been 20 years. Um, it's, it's a shitty day. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to front and be all you know comical about it. Mm. Um, and I know with everything that's gone on in wrestling lately and everything and all the loss we've had in the last couple of weeks or so, just remember tomorrow is what it is and was what it was. And if you feel like you need to talk to somebody about it, God, talk to somebody about it. Don't, you know, don't feel like you can't talk to anybody. I'm off tomorrow. I ain't got shit to do. I ain't got my kid. Call me, message me, text me, smoke signal me, do something tomorrow. Because I hate tomorrow like everybody else does. So get on the, you're over here, get on the Renegades channel, watch Batman Forever on HBO Max. If, if you're on HBO Max by now, what are you doing? Or, you know, bust out your DVD or hell, hell your VCR, whatever you want to do. Watch Batman Forever, watch their review. It's going to be his favorite movie and Statboy with him. You can't go wrong with that on a Saturday afternoon, folks, Saturday evening. And enjoy the day. Take tomorrow what it is and just realize that, you know, We've all had to come together again in the last 18 months, like we came together 20 years ago. For a different reason, but we're all a people, and that's the important thing. And yes, even a penguin is a person too, damn it. So, Mr. Meacham, thank you very much for 
coming on the channel, Always. joining me, doing the majority of the talking for this half, like you tend to do. Because, I mean, I, I talk a lot before you join the show. Right. So I want to hear what my guests have to say. Well, the, so the, thank the, you for that. Thank you the, for being here. The good part is when we when I do when we do Dark Knight, it'll be three of us, and when I do Dawn of Justice in two weeks from today, actually, um, you know more about Batwoman than I do, and you will very much dominate that conversation. I'll just be like, I like it, and it's you know, but I'll have my opinions. <laughs> Let's talk opinions next week in this time slot on the Jeff Meacham Network. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, the dads and our. Let's see what we're we calling it the the top ten musical moments in a non-musical non -musical movies. Again, his idea, and yet somehow I got ten out of it. And I will I will spoiler alert now. I will hang my head in shame until that broadcast is over because I'm ashamed of myself for what happens at the end. <laughs> the ending is brutal, folks. I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. To all my loyal fans and viewers out there that tuned in, watching the premiere leaving those comments over there next to Jeff. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Likewise, all my loyal fans that tune in a little bit later in the day, watching On Demand, leaving your thoughts and comments down there. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate each and every one of you. I appreciate all my fans that tune in on a regular basis. Show me that love. Show me that support. Trying to get my views up so that I can eventually get monetized. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much, Mr. Meacham. Sir. Sure. See you next time.